0: This is Rachel.
1: Hey, this is Spencer.
0: And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast.
1: And today we have with us a uh, local singer songwriter, uh, Thomas Strayhorn. Thanks Hello. for joining us today, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Thomas is actually the first guest we've had on here who's known me first as a teacher before otherwise. So he'll be referring to me exclusively as Sir this whole episode. <laughs> yes, sir. <So. laughs> Back in the glorious days of Broughton. <laughs> yeah. Didn't actually have Thomas though, so hopefully less awkward than it's that. very awkward. Oh cool. <laughs> this will be a great awkward hour or so for all of us then.
0: Fantastic.
1: So Thomas is stopping in with us before he has to play a show tonight with Bombadil and Kate Rhee, right? That's right. Yeah, in Wilmington. Um, the elusive Kate Rudy that we're still trying to get recorded on here. Okay. She is super elusive. <laughs> still have these songs set aside for her. So one, one of these days I will get her on. So Thomas, can you tell us a little bit about what your relationship is with nice country music then and now? Yeah. now you're a little bit younger yeah. than us, obviously, so growing up around family. it was a little bit different. I was just a wee babe in the 90s. Yeah, when we first started
2: talking about doing this podcast, I was like, I definitely should not be on this because I don't know anything about <laughs> 90s like popular country music. I mean, it was definitely very formative for me growing up. My parents always had music on, and we kind of listened to the same things over and over again, like Steve Earle, John Prine, things like Guy Clark and Lucinda Williams. So it's not at all like super popular mainstream radio country, but mm-hmm. definitely foundation in country music. I mean, it was always on. It was on when we were in the car, um, and I actually like was thinking about this. I was trying to figure out what songs to choose or what song to choose for this. I uh, don't know a lot of songs by name because they were always just on CD, mm-hmm. and so I knew them by like track or like the order that they came on. So it was kind of fun to like re dive back into Steve Earl and some of these things that I haven't listened to in a long time, like "Once You Love Somebody." I, I've always known as track nine until like last year when I found the CD back in my mom's car and was like, oh. Once you've loved somebody, cool, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it was, I don't know, my relationship with it is not as radio-heavy, popular country stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's funny, I have an older brother who, he's only two years older than me. And we were obviously listening to the same music as kids, but somehow he has found, like, Alan Jackson and all of these popular country, like, Travis Trent. Like, two months ago, we were at a friend's house and they just kept on playing, like, country music videos from the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds Just, like, ridiculous, ridiculous music videos, and I had never heard, like, most of the songs. And he was like, you don't know this song? And he was like, sing along. So, I don't know how that happened, but... um... (laughs)
1: That's this funny. is just kind of
2: funny that we have chosen your such
1: parents a parents are withholding things from me. The, the gray stuff that the <laughs> apparently.
2: I have to go back, get angry with them.
1: <laughs> so, do you feel like those artists you did listen to that were on heavy rotation have kind of like informed your music at all? Oh, or... yeah, totally. Like, Towns Van Zandt, I think, is a guy that was always on as a kid, and
2: I didn't really think about his music too much mm-hmm. until more recently, but his songwriting is incredible. And seeing him, like, the influence that he's had on other musicians that I've listened to is pretty wild.
1: Well, speaking of Ridiculous yeah, country songs and videos, do you want to go right and in. jump into probably the best example of those?
0: The best example of Ridiculous Songs with Ridiculous videos is Alan Jackson's Chattahoochee, <laughs> which was my pick for this episode in honor of the impending arrival of Baby
1: Hooch. Mm, impending doom.
0: <laughs> impending doom <laughs> that will be having a baby. We elected to not go see Alan Jackson so that I would not have to go into labor and thus <laughs> name this kid Chattahoochee Anderson but he'll always be effectually referred to as Baby yeah,
1: yeah. right.
0: Also, I, I chose this because the songs that Spencer and Thomas chose were kind of <laughs> deep cut, not really mainstream, so I just decided to to go the complete opposite. And we've talked about Chattahoochee on other episodes before, but it was uh, released in May of 1993, co-written by Alan Jackson and a guy named Jim McBride, who co-wrote a lot of stuff with Alan Jackson, including Chasing That Neon Rainbow. And I found this interview on Billboard, where they were interviewing Jim McBride a couple of years ago whenever he was inducted to the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame about how he wrote this song. And he was talking about at that point in time, he had this routine of like in the morning, he would get up and he would do some songwriting and then he would go into town and kind of pitch the songs. But he was writing a lot with Alan Jackson. And he had two notebooks, one that would be like songs that he would want to pitch to Alan and others that he would just pitch to whoever would listen. And he had read a recent article or in a magazine or something about the Chattahoochee River and was like, oh, I think that that's close to where Alan grew up and like looked it up. I don't know how, because this was before Google, but... <laughs> realized somehow that... The
1: story read is... I read it, so he got a map. I don't know if you remember we got a that map. A map. It was a thing oh, that... Oh, maps. Yeah, they came on paper.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so he got a map, mm-hmm. and he realized that the small town that Alan Jackson grew up in was fairly close to the Chattahoochee River, so he set this one aside for Alan, and he actually flew down to Florida to meet with Alan Jackson because Alan was touring so much at the time that That was the only way that they could ever get together to do songwriting. And he just sang, like, two lines of the chorus, and then Alan just, like, came right back at him with the next two lines, and they just realized that it was meant to be. And so for the next couple of days, as they were touring around, they finished writing it out and even kind of demoed it with the band. Mm -hmm. And everybody, I guess, immediately knew that it was going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, the the version I read said basically they... Start working it on one day in Tallahassee, finished the next afternoon in Louisiana, and uh-huh. since I got done before Soundcheck, the band started like, playing around with it during Soundcheck and ended up playing it that night.
0: Yeah, which is oh, cool.
1: pretty crazy fast. Yeah. Turnaround. Putting, putting it out there.
0: Yeah, but and then, I mean, You know, instant success, it ended up going to number one on country charts, even for the year. It was at the top of the country charts, and it peaked at number 46 on the regular Billboard Hot 100. So a little bit of a crossover, which we've talked about how much country music crosses over, but we see that more in the late 90s with... Mm you know, your Shania Twains and stuff. So for Alan Jackson to have a crossover in 1993 speaks to just how great the song is.
1: Oh, it is great. I was excited because I was looking forward again what Thomas said. He said he was excited to learn more about the glorious (laughs) Alan Jackson when (laughs) Rachel mentioned the song. And I was like, oh, that's funny. He's probably joking. Not at all. (laughs) Very serious. (laughs) But apparently not. So I'm trying to imagine when the song came out in 93 is that what you said yeah mm-hmm. yeah so more than 25 years after it came out seeing that video and just this whole thing for the first time what were your thoughts i well i have lots of thoughts on on who alan jackson is because <laughs> in my head he
2: was this old like i thought he was way older than he was and i thought he was like putting out music way before the 90s mm-hmm. so that was the first thing i also assumed he didn't write any of his music so i'm very glad to mm-hmm. know that he did in fact write a yeah, wrote, song wrote a lot
0: he wrote a lot <laughs> um, yeah
2: yeah and uh the video, I saw that for the first time actually like a few months ago when I was at a friend's house and the thing with the, my brother going over all these videos and I thought the video was ridiculous and then I watched it again the other day when you said you were going to choose it and yeah. my favorite part of the video is the zoomed in on the cowboy boots skating over the water for like two seconds over yeah. the guitar riff. I think the video is hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really have never known much about Alan Jackson, but I did. When I was a kid, my dad's side of the family is from Nashville, so I'd go to Nashville pretty much every mm-hmm. year to, to visit. And one of the first things we would do every time we got there was get my grandfather's fan, and he would like drive us from famous country singer to famous country singer's house. So oh, I've wow. seen Alan Jackson's, You've seen house, Jackson's like, house like many times. <laughs> um, and it's this like, giant thing and so i was like
1: well that guy's probably done very well for himself
0: and he did and he has. <laughs> yeah he really has
2: <laughs> so
1: That's yeah seriously, so like, very very excited are there any very about. memorable houses you saw or are they all pretty much the they're same all giant
2: massive but his house is like further out of the out of the city a little bit big white yeah they're all pretty similar
0: is there an mtv cribs for country musicians
1: there should be um, that should be a thing yeah definitely yeah should be Hey, I, I just out.
0: Googled Alan Jackson house and there's quite a few. It looks like he owns a few. So I don't know. I imagine this big white one yeah. is the one that you saw.
2: That's probably the one. Yeah. yeah. This one
0: looks more like a, a lake quote cabin.
2: You can't well, get very close to it. So we were like way far away. Okay. Like That's Alan Jackson's. That's Alan
0: Jackson's. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, yeah. So I love this video as well. So for those who have not seen the video, it's the best part of it is he's skiing throughout mm-hmm the water, ski. water skiing.
1: On the Chattahoochee, presumably. On.
0: Presumably on the Chattahoochee. He's wearing jeans, like busted up jeans, and he's slaloming, which for those of you who don't water ski, like, slalom is just a single ski, and it's kind of difficult in Too comparison yeah. to, like, two... And I'm pretty sure, we're pretty sure he did most of his own stunts.
1: I'm just going to assume that. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't, yeah, no I, don't, I
0: don't want that to be ruined for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah,
1: yeah. He is wearing a cowboy hat. He, he is wearing a cowboy
0: hat, and it's, it seems miraculous to me that he doesn't lose it.
2: Right.
0: Um, but maybe it just fits really well, and he's just a, vi- a very skilled skier, so it doesn't fall off. And we've actually talked about this video on a previous episode with Aaron because the guy who directs this music video, Martin Cahan, also directed She Thinks My Tractor Sexy. Mm, Another good one. Yes, by Kenny Chesney. And that was a video that Aaron helped out on. So he talked a little bit about that and about Alan Jackson's skis
1: being in the the Country Music Hall of Fame. Fame. The boots and the skis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are some good dudes too. Yeah. When did that song come out?
0: Chat your Sexy. Yeah. I don't know. Was that like 98 or something? Yeah,
2: so oh, that was? Yeah. yeah
0: that yeah, was a little later. bit
1: later. But I do know more about pop country in the 90s than I thought. There you <laughs> go. You know the important ones, obviously, <laughs> if you know that one. Well, you want to listen to this one real quick?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
1: We well, we fogged up the windows in my old Chevy. I was willing, but she wasn't ready. So I settled for a burger and a grape snow cone. I dropped her off early, but I didn't go home. Down by the river on a Friday night. Here amid a cans in the pale moonlight, talking about cars and dreaming about women. Never had a plan just to live in for the minute. Yeah, went down yonder on the chat of foot, you never knew how much of muddy water meant to
0: me. So as this song was playing just now, we were talking about some of the lyrics. First of all, we've referenced before our appreciation for this song and Alan Jackson's acknowledgement of consent, how he was willing, but she wasn't ready. So he right. settled for a burger and a grape snow cone, which is, you know,
1: a good what, second option. It's, really. it's a
0: great second option.
1: Although I feel like there's he some. Respects
0: her wishes.
1: I think there's some parts of the story left out in between that she wasn't ready. So I settled for burger and grape snow cone. Like I just like imagined him like, all right, so like you want to do this? She's like, no, I'm not ready right now. So like, okay, well, can we get burgers and snow cones? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Like he just like immediately changes gears. And he's like, well, burgers, and snow cones. because like, 'cause I'm hungry too. One or the other. What are they? Yeah, <laughs> sex or cheeseburger. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll settle for either one. <laughs> and right now, burger and snow cone just as good. Sounds
0: pretty good. And I have offered to get burgers and grape snow cones for Spencer and Thomas if we can keep this in a tight 60 today.
1: Right. So basically, this is the end of this episode. <laughs> we're going to get burgers. To <laughs>
0: <laughs> Go to Pelican's and get some snow cones. But then, Spencer, you were also asking about the meaning of the term hoochie coochie. Which.
2: <laughs> what does it
1: mean, Spencer? <laughs>
0: what, does, what does it mean? Okay. I have always assumed that it is a reference to sex in some way or another, but you read something else?
1: I, I just pulled up where it was from because I saw this original comment too, but I was looking at the <laughs> annotations on genius.com, which I love anytime I search for lyrics and it's like Alan Jackson, genius or like Lil Nas X Genius or something like that like if I die and someone was in my Google results it's like (laughs) damn he thought all these people were geniuses geniuses. (laughs) Taylor Swift genius but I
0: mean they kind of are but
1: yeah so this annotation says he's talking about a piece put on the exhaust right behind the manifold on a car it got so hot hot it would warm the floor so they put a hoochie coochie as a barrier Alan Jax is a big car enthusiast and was a small town shop mechanic before he started singing no idea if it's true Definitely not.
0: So the other place that I think of where I hear hoochie coochie is the song Hoochie Coochie Man. Is that Bo Diddley? Or- no, Muddy Waters. <laughs> God almighty, I can't, th- I can't think of anything. But I don't think that Muddy Waters was talking about a car part, was he?
1: I don't think so either. I wasn't saying that was true. I just assumed that was like the common understanding of this. Hmm. was it was uh, it, it
0: sounds to me that whoever wrote that is uncomfortable talking about sex and he doesn't want to acknowledge that that's what this song is referencing so he came up with some car part
1: excuse right well maybe he's always been selling for burgers and grape snow cones so he hasn't really had the opportunity <laughs> to learn much about sex so still using those terms he, says like, he
0: learns a lot about living and a little just a little about love
1: right exactly so he, he learns terms like hoochie coochie not like but, real terminology <laughs> for anything oh my gosh but yeah i mean lyrically it's a good like growing up in mm-hmm. the rural south song i like the imagery of a lot of stuff like pyramid of cans in the pale moonlight mm-hmm. i mean we did one recently that we'll probably aired before this where we talked about achy breaky heart Mm -hmm. where it was a catchy chorus strung together with a lot of garbage lines
0: yeah lyrics
1: and uh this has a catchy chorus but i feel like the verses are still you know tie things together as far as i'm concerned it holds up well yeah
0: it kind of reminds me of the discussion that we had about tim mcgraw with like the barbecue stain on my white t-shirt like it's such a simple thing but it's something that everybody can relate to mm-hmm. like even if you didn't grow up on the chattahoochee you probably have some sort of memory of like hanging out with your boys or just whatever that spot was that you would go and
1: yeah it's kind with of your like friends the carefree summer mm-hmm. you know whenever that was
0: yeah in 1993
1: yeah here I, I was born yeah <laughs> <laughs> You were born in a world that had always known the song, God, Thomas. God, I'm so happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, man, what luck.
0: So lucky. Yeah, oh, I don't have anything else. I-, I will say, so we did, as I mentioned, we did just miss Alan Jackson, who played in Greensboro recently. But he'll be back in this neck of the woods playing Charlotte and then I think Charleston both in August. <laughs> so maybe you take yeah, we'll baby take baby Chattahoochee. Baby, we'll <laughs> take baby Chattahoochee and let him see the first uh, concert Uncle Alan in person
1: mm, Oh man that would be perfect <laughs> Also I kind of forgot what the cover of this album looks like and it's badass It's <laughs> The one of him just sitting on his Harley with his leather jacket and cowboy hat Basically every image that I can remember seeing of Alan Jackson like the early 90s he was just being badass whether he's In this video, you know, in his tube paddling with his acoustic guitar, that whole party scene at the end, he was just a badass in the 90s.
0: So the fact that you said badass on a Harley, like that kind of puts in one picture of a badass, but he also seems like very down to earth. Like, I don't think that I would be intimidated by him.
1: Not until you see his house. <laughs>
0: yes, once I see his house, and that's a whole other level of intimidation. Right.
1: It's not your typical Harley rider, no. No. <laughs> but, like, I feel like he could do most things in that era and still look cool as hell doing it. Oh, so. I, was,
0: I mean, the dude skied in blue jeans for his music video. And boots. And boots. Yeah. And looked badass. So, yes, I'm there with you there. There with you there. There.
1: I feel like another badass, you talk about Steve Earle, mm-hmm. was who, a badass, yeah. is a badass as a well. So. Totally a badass. <laughs> so your song.
2: <laughs> so my song is Feel Alright by Steve Earle, it came out in 1996 on his album I Feel Alright, which I had a hard time choosing a Steve Earle song. I like listened through this album a bunch and I also listened to Train to Come a bunch. Um, because they both kind of hold in my head, they're like kind of in the same place. They were just on all the time as as a kid, and I think this album's great because it uh, it's kind of like a comeback for him. He had just released Trying to Come in '95, in but before that he had been kind of out of it for a few years. On I don't know, had like some drug problems, mm-hmm. and got arrested. I'm not sure if <laughs> how many marriages he went through through that time, but he's been married seven times. <sighs> twice to the same woman.
0: Okay, yeah. Which is
2: something that I love about Steve <laughs> Um And that's like what I actually probably like one of the first facts that I knew about him as a kid. My dad was like, you know, he's been married seven times.
1: <laughs> that's like a shit <laughs> right like, there. He Thomas. There's something to shoot for. <laughs> seven times. <laughs> seven times. No,
2: that's really sad. But it's actually, this is kind of unrelated to this, very unrelated to this album. But Justin Townsend Earl is one of my favorite songwriters mm-hmm. and... It has been really interesting to see him live and like hear him talk shit about his dad because they clearly do not get along. Right. And they both are like great musicians in my mind and it is kind of funny to, or it's sad. I don't know. Yeah. I actually like, one time I was listening to, uh, I was on a plane and I was listening to Justin Towns Earl and Mama's Eyes was on and that song where he, he's basically again talking shit about his dad mm-hmm. and talking about how his mom saved him. And I opened the airplane <laughs> magazine in front of me and there's an interview with Steve Earle and it like it, he, he sounded kind of like an asshole in this interview. And I was like, huh? I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really get it. Um, anyways, soundtrack. But yeah, this album, I think, is great. And it's like super complete. And I've always been a sucker for the slower songs on the album. So it's hard for me not to choose something like, I don't know, Valentine's Day is one of my favorite songs. Mm. Uh, but it is so slow. So feel all right, was it? Because it's kind of like him coming back saying he feels all right. The lyrics for this song, I think, are great. He's saying, uh, now some of you would live through me, lock me up and throw away the key or just find a place to hide away. Hope that I'll just go away. And then he gives that good. (gasps) Yeah, (laughs) that's great. And then he's like, I feel all right. So yeah, Steve Rill has always been very much a badass in my head. And I think this song is like kind of the essence of that.
1: The second verse, it gets a little odd to me because I I feel like (laughs) listening to this and kind of trying to put it back in that time like what was going on with Steve Earl was kind of like you were saying like you kind of staking his place back or whatever but in that second verse where it's like I'll bring you precious contraband and ancient tales from distant lands of conquerors and concubines and conjurers from darker times it's like the, what the, where did you just step out from? right like, you know, <laughs> he really you stoned for that verse <laughs> well, he, was, uh, he was out of it at that point <laughs> but yeah I thought that was kind of a curveball but I am not going to be one to question his songwriting yeah Because for the most part, he kicks ass to that.
0: Yeah. I don't think that I ever knew that I was listening to Steve Earle Mm -hmm. until my adult years. And my husband and his dad both enjoy Steve Earle. And so I've seen him at the Lincoln in Raleigh a few years ago. Um, And it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know any of this shit that this guy is playing until he did Copperhead Road. And then I was like, oh,
1: (laughs) I know know who this guy guy
0: is, (laughs) which I was just setting you up for that, Spencer, to talk about. (laughs) Thank you. This wonderful Copperhead Road
2: thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, when we were talking about Steve Earle over text, I discovered the... (laughs) the uh maybe the best thing yeah, out the, there <laughs> the german band torfrock i believe Will let our german listeners correct us and i have no idea how to say this kettenhemd is what it looks like is the german version of this song that sounds like copperhead road but also they like changed all the lyrics entirely to be about vikings mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I didn't realize were a thing in German culture at I don't, all. Are you I. sure
0: that it is?
1: I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying I didn't realize it was.
0: Maybe it's a shtick.
1: It's a pretty good shtick. It is. <laughs> yeah. So the schtick turned into this video that they made, this live video that I would highly recommend... Uh, you looking up? We'll put um, it on
0: the Twitter probably. Yeah, yeah.
1: But you'll want to watch it in its <laughs> full five minute version, <laughs> where the front man is wearing a Santa Claus hat <laughs> for some reason. I don't think there's a date associated with this, so hopefully it's not around Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> no. hopefully it's like May. And so he's wearing that while I like, playing like the penny whistle for the intro, and then there's these. Like, two <laughs> fucking giant Vikings that just come out there and, like, stomp around. There's a three, maybe. I can't remember. And I I have no idea what's going on. But there's a huge-ass crowd that is loving it. And I would love to be there. And I would be confused as hell. But it just looks like a it great like time. fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's my recommendation for Steve Earl's catalog mm-hmm. is the... It's not version. actually Steve not, Earle, not Earl. <laughs> but but inspired by
0: inspired music by.
1: inspired by the music <laughs> of Steve Earle. I, I want to see this. I hope this band comes through Raleigh. So I hope they exist still. For one thing, I don't thing. think
0: that they're gonna come through Raleigh.
1: Well, we can always hope. I'm sorry. We so, can go to them though. Yeah, that's true.
0: Them. We do have two listeners in Germany. Ooh. I mean, they're my they're my friends. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: So, I took German for a, a, for like middle school
0: and high school. That's, yeah, I did too, is, and I don't. I don't and neither Neither of, of us could, could
1: tell us what was going on. Yeah, sorry. No. Yeah, I Google translated the lyrics to it, and it was just wild. And also, I was like, this is probably inaccurate anyway. So yeah, if someone wants to like give us the actual, if it's about Vikings, it could be it could be wild. wild yeah, words. Um I'm assuming it's amazing <laughs> lyricism. Should we listen to the actual Steve Earle song oh, yeah. that we're intending to talk about before yes. we get more <laughs> off track?
0: Sure, let's do that.
1: I was born with my papa's son wandering out a smoking gun Now some of you would live through me and light me up and throw away the key Or just find a place to hide away And hope that I'll just go
0: instead of like just listening to the song we actually just watched a video of them performing that song live in a jail but not while Steve Earl was actually incarcerated right. He was incarcerated, and then he came back and played a show for his friends.
1: Apparently, I guess, <laughs> uh, jail, jail friends. <laughs> yeah, apparently, is in the summer of '96, uh, and one of the conditions of his parole was that he was required to perform at a Tennessee prison, really? and so he performed at the Cold Creek Correctional Facility. And uh, it said when the prisoners arrived, they had just gotten out of a two-day lockdown. And they definitely looked rowdy. From the start, but Mm -hmm. I was saying we watched it like that seems like probably the best crowd in some ways to perform to. I mean, literally captive audience. Yeah, (laughs) literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you've got that going for you. (laughs) And then, I mean, I I guess there's also me thinking like all the Johnny Cash, you know, San Quentin and Mm -hmm. um, Folsom Folsom, uh, crowds and all that. It just seems like everyone is just like super rowdy and like obviously they're not seeing live music particularly good live music that Uh often apparently there was a mtv special on this called hell and back again that would be pretty awesome to see he looked in fine form with some sweet chops
0: oh my gosh the chops incredible
1: (laughs) bandana around the wrist yeah yeah Yeah. good look very
0: much rock and roll star look
1: and uh, glasses
0: uh, indoors hopefully we can find the
1: copperhead road that he played there because i'm sure he did Mm -hmm. oh absolutely and then all the prisoners line dance together i'm sure
0: I don't think of Copperhead Road as a line dancing song.
1: There's a line dance to it. Is there? Yeah.
0: We were just talking about line dancing.
1: Yeah, there's a line dance to it. I mean, oh, I did
0: you read this in your Line Dances of the World book? No,
1: no. I knew dances it. Line of the World book. I don't own it. It came up on Google Books. You should definitely uh, own that. <laughs> um, Add it
0: to our library. Right. Oh,
1: geez. <laughs> that might be a gift for Baby Hooch, so grow grows up knowing all the things oh, of he the world. one thing. Yeah. Be line dancing. Yeah, there's a line dance for this. I mean I think that's what for this this <laughs> okay. being Copperhead Road. Now I was not, like Not not so,
0: even the song. That yeah, we I was chose. like so that
1: we get back on track and then four <laughs> seconds later. Sorry,
0: sorry. Copperhead Road again. <laughs> it just you can't you gotta keep going back to that. Well yeah. here, I'll I'll go on a different tangent about Steve Earle. I never have actually seen it, but it's on my to do list to watch Treme, because mm. as we've talked oh, yeah. about, I was I love, ask you about I love that. New Orleans, but I have never actually watched
1: it. Have you watched that I've
2: seen like the first two episodes and then yeah. didn't make it. But I have seen The Wire and I love The Wire. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible show. And I had no idea that Steve Earl was an
1: actor. And then he just showed up in one episode and I was like, yeah. what the
2: hell is he doing here?
1: Yeah. Treme's great. And yeah, he plays a musician. Musician. And that. So I was like, wait a second. It's like Steve Earl playing Steve Earl. <gasps> oh my um, gosh. But yeah, Treme's great
0: it's in the queue
1: it didn't finish as strong as it started but that's true of a lot well that's TV just shows. because
0: Steve Earle was only in the first two seasons yeah that's true maybe if he had stuck around longer it would have finished strong that's what we'll say
2: every good TV show needs Steve Earl.
0: yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so again we don't have a transition do we
1: we just had a transition for the last one We mean again I transitioned right okay, in well, from Alan Jackson to Steve Earl. okay
0: then you do a transition into your song
1: Speaking of songs that came out in the 90s... (laughs) Perfect. Perfect transition. (laughs) Another song that came out in the 90s was Dixie Chicks' Once You Love Somebody, which I picked mostly because Thomas had mentioned it as a possibility. And we've talked about Dixie Chicks a couple times on here with Allison and with Al. And they've come up, obviously, in other episodes, too. But we haven't really talked about them in a while. And this is a pretty deep cut. And <laughs> I think you said it was your favorite Dixie Chicks song, It right? is 100% my favorite Dixie Yeah, so I was like, well, that's hard to pass up. Well, and I also, I like just threw it out there
2: thinking that the Dixie Chicks probably came up every week here. But you they, said they hadn't in a while. I was like, they,
0: oh. You know well, what? They, we have some things that get a mention almost every episode. Yeah. Those things include either Race or opens. all... Dolly Parton, Reba, and Casey Musgraves. Mm, yeah. One of those gets brought up every episode. Joe Diffie usually gets brought up almost every episode. Right. And Bojangles usually which gets brought up every Thomas episode.
1: and I did have uh, sausage, sausage and jelly biscuit, biscuits. Yeah. For yeah, the first is, time in my life. first jelly on sausage biscuit, which I've recently discovered. It's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. But no, did Dixie Chicks, they don't come up as often because... You know, other folks, like Reba, for example, spans all of the 90s, whereas Mm -hmm. the Dixie Chicks are very much like late 90s. So I think that that's probably why they don't get as much.
1: I feel like depending on when the person came in to Mm -hmm. listen to music or listen to country music in particular.
0: You younger folks tend to be pretty heavy on the Dixie Chicks.
1: Yeah, I honestly thought that this would, I thought this song came out after 2000 and then so when I looked it up I was like oh, oh wow
2: that's <laughs> sweet
1: yeah okay, well that's all other stuff <laughs> did but yeah so and I've mentioned before like I don't really know the Dixie Chicks catalog that well that's one thing that doing this podcast has I've appreciated that. I've learned a lot more Dixie Chicks songs especially the ones that aren't the singles <laughs> so I didn't know the song really at all when Thomas mentioned it, mm-hmm. but what is it that makes it your favorite Dixie Chick song? Oh, I don't know. Something
2: like the opening riff is just it goes and I'm like, yep, this is the one for me. I've always been a sucker for like the slowest songs, one of the slower songs on, on a record. And this whole album is so, so good. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would have said this was my favorite Dixie Chick song, but last year I was driving my mom's car around for a day and <laughs> was reacquainted with this CD and was having a good time, and then you get to track nine, and I was like, ah, this is what the CD is for me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's great, though. The chorus is very catchy.
0: So the album is Wide Open Spaces. So the singles from that were I Can Love You Better, There's Your Trouble, Wide Open Spaces, You Were Mine, Tonight the Heartaches on Me, which are all yeah. fairly upbeat, or at least posse vibes with <laughs> the lyrics and stuff. So... Once you love somebody, is definitely a downer. In I also comparison should,
2: yeah, totally a downer. <laughs> to I love rest. I love downers, and I feel like this song is sort of like a mantra. It's like mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I should go out tonight, but I never do. <laughs> well, I get shit on for picking downer songs all the I time, know. so Sorry. we should hang out more. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. Now, apparently, we need you guesting more often. I brought this up yesterday, a couple of days ago, when we were talking about this. That to me, the very beginning of the course sounds a whole lot like, I can't make you love me. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just in my head or if they musically sound alike. But for some reason, at the very beginning of this course, that's like immediately what my mind went to, which... It totally is, does. Isn't, isn't a bad thing to be reminded of, because mm-hmm. it's a great fucking song. Um, it's kind of like part one and part two. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say, it's like kind of a similar vibe right, mm-hmm. to the song. So like, I think it, it works really well, guessing it was not intentional at all. But those two songs have really similar vibe, so I really appreciate that part of it. You want to listen to it?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: the songwriters for this, neither of them are fancy enough to have their own Wikipedia page. Right. Which, you know, of course, that's where we get most of our information mm-hmm. from. So we had to actually like go and Google their actual websites. So Bruce Miller has a few songs listed on his. One is a 1982 album called Magic Night that has the single Magic Night featured in the film Perfect Starring Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta. Is that the movie where all of the memes come from of them in exercise clothes?
1: I have no idea.
0: I'm pretty sure that, like, there's a lot of, like, memes and gifs or gifs, depending on how you want to pronounce it, of them, like, sweaty and doing aerobics together. So look that up, because that's Bruce Miller. (laughs) He also did a song... (laughs) for Reba called Fear of Being Alone. There's our Reba mention for the episode. Reba. <laughs> and a song by Rascal Flatts, Bless, called See Me Through in 2000. And then he's just got Once You Love Somebody. And then the other guy, Tom or Thom McHugh, mm-hmm. he's got a lot more on his list, including...
1: He's got a Wikipedia category. He's got a Songs Wikipedia category. Songs written by category? Tom what does McHugh. What mean?
0: We were talking about Towns Van Zandt for a second. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of freaked out looking at the Discogs page for this writer because it said that he wrote a song for Van Zandt, but this not Towns Van Zandt. It's an American musical duo composed of brothers Donnie and Johnny Van Zandt, but Thomas Eugene McHugh wrote a song for Thomas them. Thomas
1: Eugene. <laughs> he wrote a Randy Travis song, he wrote a Trace Atkins song, a Little Texas song,
0: Faith Hill. I
1: don't think a lot. That really did oh. a lot. The, the yeah. one that I recognize most from his list was the Tracy Bird song, Hold Heaven, which was a number one. He covered that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think his were a little bit more hit or miss as well.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful song, but it's not like uh, in regards to the Dixie Chick song, the Once You've Loved Somebody. I understand, Thomas, why this is your favorite, because right. it is a really great song, but it's not something that is going to do well on radio. I don't think it would.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not as, not as a beat. The more I listen to it, though, the more it keeps making me think of I Can't Make You Love Me, I'm <laughs> like, that's such a good song, and this, like, reminds me of it so much, and that's, like, a classic. And yeah. then, it, even on this album, they have a Bonnie Raitt cover, which I'd forgotten about, Give It Up or Let Me mm-hmm. Go. Speaking of covers, and Towns Vansant earlier, we were talking about. I found a cover that Natalie Maines did about a year before this album came out with Pat Green of Snow and Omratone. I mean, it's not anything super spectacular, but it's cool hearing her doing that. And when I'm listening to it now, I feel like Pat Green was a bigger thing like in the early 2000s, late 90s. I feel like I heard his name a lot more and I don't mm-hmm. really know what's happened to him since then. I never really listened to him a ton but listen to him now he just sounds like a really generic version of Andrew Marlin from Mandolin Orange and so it makes me wish that was like Natalie Maynes and Andrew Marlin or...
0: Maybe we can make it, that happen, it, or
1: just like Emily and Andrew, you know, just like, yeah. just like something like that. Instead just of just have like
0: them cover the, town boot, the bootleg Amazon. version
1: of Andrew Marlin on here doing the vocals. I don't know. I don't mean that as a insult to Andrew or Madeline Orange at all. But just, I thought uh, you were
0: going to apologize for insulting Pat Green. I,
1: that's where I thought you were going with it. Um, <laughs> hey, no, no, I got Pat Green. Yeah.
0: Apparently, according to Wikipedia, Pat Green is a big Texas Rangers fan. And the Rangers' victory song is his 1995 single called "I Like
1: Texas." I mean, that's all. That's like all I know about that dude. Is like I feel he, like he was he one of those like Texan, like you read. No, I know that now. <laughs> um, he was like a Texas, like red dirt kind of guy, and I feel like that's his like entire fan base and I guess people outside of there know, you know know him and like him.
0: I mean but that whole scene is like a huge oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. self sustaining scene yeah. on its own. Us Yankees from North Carolina don't need to be a fan of his red
1: dirt Texas well, shit. I'm sorry, we have <laughs> we have real Andrew Merlin here not store brand <laughs> knockoff Andrew Marlin, and that should still be considered a compliment you know I just don't feel like I should apologize to him because like coming close is still pretty good so yeah oh. well I don't really have anything else. oh I do actually have something else to talk about about this song okay I promised a tangent that I really want to talk about oh, here What's that? so they won with this album best country album and best country performance by a duo or group and they were nominated but lost best new artist Hmm. but they were up against a pretty strong group that included lauren hill who won Mm -hmm. and backstreet boys Mm -hmm. uh one of the other losers was nally imbruglia okay which i have found out recently nolan smock was the one who told me which nolan we're trying to get him on here too um torn by nally imbruglia is Mm -hmm. a cover yeah, of like a '90s alt rock band.
0: Yeah, I knew that.
1: What did I tell you this?
0: I don't. I don't know where I've. I heard that from, but I've heard that. I'm going to assume
1: I told you this because no one else <laughs> besides Nolan knows this, and so I've been disseminating that info beyond just him.
0: You know what? That whole thing went viral on Twitter
1: two years ago. Oh, fucking Twitter, <laughs> ruining everyone. So I,
0: sorry, I just. <laughs> I googled. I googled uh, Natalie and Brulia. Torn cover, and the first thing that popped up is an article that says, Natalie and Bruglia is torn as a cover and Twitter can't
1: handle it. <laughs> okay, well if you were busy that day when Twitter <laughs> couldn't handle it, then maybe you missed it.
2: <laughs> um,
1: it blew my mind, <laughs> so I feel you Twitter on that. For any listeners that were not on Twitter that day, Sorry. Um, Edna Swap was the name of the band, and then there's like a Danish version No, the Danish
0: version was the first version. I can't remember this article that I just found by googling, and therefore may (laughs) or may not be reliable. Says that the first to record it was a Danish singer called Liz Sorensen, who translated it, retitled it. I don't know how to pronounce this "brant" or whatever is Danish for "burnt." And that that was that was in 1993, and then in 1995. The band Edna Swap did it. And then in ninety seven was Natalie's version.
1: Well, they all sound strange 20s. now. Yeah. Right. yeah. Because <laughs> her version sounds like the right one. Of course. Even though it came out much later much than much later. This.
0: Oh, that, I'm sorry that you're not on Twitter as much as I am.
1: Um, I'm not sure if I'm sorry about that. Or not.
0: It's
1: kind of, it's kind of a, well.
0: I knew this two years ago, and you're just now watching well.
1: This. Given all the other shit that you had to put up with on Twitter, <laughs> that's true. I'm not sure if like, I don't know
0: if this is a worthwhile justification for yeah, being on
1: Twitter. Being that <laughs> Well, for the rest of the Twitterless people out there, this is for you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Do you, do you even know the Natalie and Bruglia song Thomas or no. are you like I can't just, wait just,
2: He's over here being quiet.
0: Song?
1: He's over here being quiet like I can't I was, wait to listen to the song. I I've been, be, been thinking I about Twitter actually.
0: I bet you do know this song. Yeah, we'll, it go? we'll let you listen to it and I'm not going to sing it cuz I'm on. not a musician. <laughs> I just talk shit about music. We'll put it on our B list.
1: Oh that you say you're going to put it on as we go we get snow cones. Mm.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Right. I mean if we can wrap this up real quick
1: all right, so thanks, Thomas. Have a good night. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you're doing know some shit, but, you know, people will find out about it. Oh, well, that's good. We'll, we'll that's give you time.
0: Either. Tell us about what you have coming up.
2: Yeah, so i got a few things coming up in the next little bit. Um, I've got a song coming out next week called Tennessee. Uh, it'll be out on the 28th, and Kate and James were sweet enough to sing on that one with me. Then I'll be in Boone on July 11th, playing with the songwriters in the round kind of show. Then I'll be in Richmond on the 18th, New York City on the 21st. Providence, Rhode Island on the 27th, and then Burlington, Vermont on the 8th of August. Then I'll be up there for a little while, and I'll come back down, playing in Asheville on September 11th. And then in the next few months, I'll be slowly releasing songs for this EP that we recorded last year, and then after that, got a full-length album, I guess, that'll come out at some point. I we just got the first mixes back of that, and we're kind of wrapping it up, but I'm excited about that one. So hopefully I'll start putting that stuff out sooner rather than later.
0: Well, thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me. And
2: <laughs> Teaching me some things about t- Alan
0: Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Always, Natalie always really being the teacher over here. You yeah, know, right. that's what I gotta do. So, once a teacher, <laughs> yeah, <we'll> give <laughs> you some, give you some homework. on The way down. Yeah, Lormington.
0: homework is to go home and listen to more Alan Jackson.
2: I'm doing that actually. This morning when I was drinking coffee, I was listening to this uh, th- that album. Yeah, and
1: was enjoying myself he did you said you liked uh randy travis too. i do i he, do love randy travis Ian and randy travis did a lot of co-writing on uh randy travis i can't remember the name of the album right now but it was an early 90s album that half ish of it or co-writes of the two huh. of them so always and forever is like one of my favorite albums of his and i think the album artwork for that is mm-hmm. hilarious he's just like hanging out with a giant gold bracelet <laughs> in this weird glare Well, I can't wait to start listening to the Randy Travis audiobook, although I have a feeling it might be a little bit disappointing, so I'll have to update you on that. The name of the album is High Lonesome, the one that they covered a lot Hmm. together on. Including uh, a song called Better Class of Losers I can't wait to talk about At some point too That's a good one It is Well
0: and you mentioned Liking Kenny Chesney Earlier whenever Or at least knowing Who Kenny
1: Chesney was I do
0: Earlier (laughs) And he and Randy Travis Also have a duet That I really love That should have won A Dev Award But it didn't
1: Which one was this? Oh God! It's, you were just waiting for me to pounce on Dove Award.
0: I, I was. I, I set that up for you. Um, I I can tell you the lyrics. It's about getting baptized. Mm. <laughs> it's from the album "Everywhere We Go," and the name of the song <laughs> is "Baptism." <laughs> <laughs>
2: I said it
0: know, had man? something to do with the baptism. <laughs> uh, it's true. called it baptism. Sense. It's since you like to deal with the track numbers. It's number mm. nine. Thank you. Yeah. Number nine is always great. Number nine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really bringing it home. A lot of pressure on you nine. when you're sequencing that next album. God, yeah, I know. What's, track what's
0: nine? I yeah? Know. What's track nine gonna be? Who
1: knows? Maybe just make an eight-track album and there's yeah. less pressure on. <laughs> Cut out all the pressure yeah. before it even gets there. Yeah.
0: Well, very good well thanks for coming and thanks yeah, for thanks, listening guys
1: for
0: we'll catch you next time we're gonna go get a grape snow cone
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woo. bye bye mom
0: bye there's nothing where he used to lie my inspiration has run dry and that's what's going